Citizen Femme Production presents I Hope I Get It, the podcast. The show where we share all of our audition room stories. We talk about the good, the bad, and the oh my god, did that just happen. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 2022. Hello, everyone. Happy 2022 and welcome to season four of I Hope I Get It, the podcast. It was my plan to get the season out to you in twenty in November 2021, but I unexpectedly lost my dad at the beginning of November. So as you can imagine, I needed to take a break and just be with my family. But we are back with season four and we have more wonderful guests for you to meet and more much needed conversations to share. So let's get to it. This week's guest is Nika Graf Lanzaroni. She's a New York City-based performer, writer, podcaster, labor leader, animal lover, nerd, spouse, mental health advocate, and yoga teacher. Nika believes in making everyone feel heard and telling as many stories as possible. She's been lucky enough to do this on and off Broadway in shows like Chicago, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, Sweet Charity, and Hello Again. She's also been able to tell these stories on stages all over the country in The Jungle Book, My Paris, and A Chorus Line, just to name a few. And she's even been able to tell these stories a little bit on screen in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Smash, Live from Lincoln Center, Unforgettable, and Divorce. I hope that you will enjoy this conversation with Nika. She is one of my favorite people on the planet because she just... She lives and breathes her own um, authenticity and she's, I just, yeah, I'm just, I love her and I think she's so great and this conversation was really, really important and I hope that you will be inspired by, by Nika's work and by her words as much as I am. So enjoy. Nika, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat to you. Um... We, uh, this is, we've never met. This is so, social media is so great. Bringing us together. I love it. <laughs> it's the Instagram. It's all the Instagrams. Mm -hmm. It's um, thrilling. Yeah, it's great. So uh, on I Hope I Get It, we, we share our stories, our tales from the audition room. So let us begin at the beginning. Do you remember your very first professional audition do I remember hmm. um do I remember my very first professional audition I don't remember um I grew up okay so there's a couple of different ways that I could have had a first professional audition <laughs> Um, I grew up in a show business family mm -hmm. and all I ever wanted to do was like be a child actor. And I was not permitted to be a child actor. And I am, I was so mad about it all the time. Um, and apparently when I was really little, like three or four, my mom, like took me to a commercial audition because they were looking for parents with young children. Okay. So I was, I was like a little toddler. And, um, so she took me to this commercial audition and clearly I don't remember this because I don't remember anything that's ever happened to me, but she told me that she brought me to this audition and they didn't let us audition together because we didn't look enough alike. <laughs> 
so they each gave us a different set of humans to be parent slash child to. And uh, that's that. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming neither of us booked it. Um, so I guess that was probably my first professional audition. And then, um, yeah, that's probably, that's probably the best of those stories. And then otherwise it was like, open calls for a hundred years upon graduation yep <laughs> from musical theater school that's the life <laughs> um i want to ask you what has been for you the best experience that you've had in the audition room the best experiences that i've had in the audition room have to do with the <clears throat> have to do with the sort of horizontal horizontalization of uh, of a traditional hierarchy. Mm -hmm. If that if that if those words sound like words, so the best auditions feel like you are actually working with humans who understand that you too are a whole entire person mm -hmm. who might have thoughts and opinions and um, that those are welcome, that yes. those are solicited, that it's not just a bunch of people staring you down, eating lunch, going, oh God, this stupid actor. Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that who you are as an entire person is being taken into account and celebrated and taken just as seriously as whatever work is required of you to do. Because I find that people do the best work when they feel like they, they and their time are being respected and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And when people understand how hard it is to walk into a room and be sort of in front of a firing squad and be one of, you know, however many hundreds of people that day. Um, so when folks take that little extra bit of time to acknowledge the sort of artificialness of the situation and yeah. then be able to have it not just be like a power thing mm -hmm. have it feel collaborative yeah. and exciting in that way yeah I completely agree I I feel like we as performers it's it's already such a vulnerable moment being in that room in front of these people sometimes you don't know them and sometimes you do know them um and we already so i always say the audition day everything that is happening from the minute you open your eyes is is like a hundred times bigger than it actually is because your your anxiety is just you, you're you i mean you can spiral so quickly um and you uh -huh. really yeah and it and it really it does help you when you go in and you feel supported by the room um and we just you said a firing squad and i just had a conversation with someone who was an actor and auditions i mean petrified him they just and then he and clearly he was like this is not I can't do this, so I'm going to become a director. And he said, since he's being, being the director and he's the person sitting at that table and he knows what that actor is feeling coming in, 
you know, you could be so confident coming in, but there's still a part of you that is, that is, you know, you're, you're just, it's going mad. <laughs> and um, so, and he said that having that at the back of his head while he is auditioning people has helped him to, to bring out the best of that actor because he knows what they're, what they're going through. He knows how quickly you can spiral. So, um, so I completely agree. And I think the more supported we feel in that room, the more authentic as an artist we get to be. And we're not just robots putting on a little show for you. Right. And also the, the sort of acknowledgement and the understanding that an audition is, um, A, that it's like the most artificial set of circumstances a person can be in and b it's not an indicator of what your actual final performance would be like and i think there's a lot of that that gets lost especially um when you have to do things so quickly and um that there are times that i want to walk in and be like okay here's the thing i will be very good in the play if you let me be in the play I don't know how well I'm going to do this audition material right now, but yeah. just trust me that I will be good in the play. And I really wish that there, that I could just do that. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but that feels completely outlandish, but there are times when, you know, there are roles that I know that I would play really well, that I know that I don't audition for well, mm -hmm. and I don't know what that disconnect is about and there and I just want to be like no don't make me do this again it's now there's like a wall built up around it or a thing built up around it um that I think is hilarious yeah and you're right it doesn't are hilarious yes <laughs> and you're right it doesn't um it doesn't take away any of my skill set it doesn't make me less of a person or less of a of an actor just because my audition is not the the greatest. <laughs> totally. I also, I guess this only really applies to the before times, but I always find it's best when that's not the only thing I have to do that day. Yes. When it's just another thing that I have to do, I can approach it. Mm -hmm. uh, I can approach having an audition as like, yes, it's a thing that I prepared for. And yes, it's a thing I work hard on, but it's also... I'm not putting myself in uh, like a wild headspace because I have things to do before that I have to think about. I have things to do after that I have to think about. Mm -hmm. And it's just like another thing that's happening in the day. And those I find that makes a better audition Yeah, for me. I don't know why. Because I guess you're not putting so much of like the pressure of the entire day is like building up to this and whatever. It's just like, okay. Now I have to go here and put a whole bunch of makeup on, sing a little song, and then I can go grocery shopping. Yes. It's, I think it's so important that we, we have a life that is outside of this world that we have chosen to inhabit with our, with our work. Um, I, I, when, I, when I ask people like, oh, how do you survive rejection? And they're like, because I have something else. There's something else. I get to go home to something else. So I, I, so I, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> totally. And I think, and I think that the, the vibe is the, and the attitude is starting to change a little bit, even from when I graduated school, which I guess is a long time ago already. But, um, when I was in 
college and in at summer camp and all of the things, every single person who would like come to talk to us would do the old, the spiel of like, if you can picture yourself doing anything else, go do that because it means that you don't really want, you know, it's that spiel. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe one of the most dangerous things you can say to especially a young person. And yeah. I think that I'm hoping that it's changing a little bit because our actual job is picturing ourselves doing other things in order to tell stories on stage. And if you cannot picture yourself doing something else, then you're putting yourself at a detriment. You're, you're, you're being, um, you're, you're selling yourself short as a storyteller mm -hmm. by not being able to imagine yourself or taking away some of that guilt of being interested in other things and doing other things with your time. Um, and it's exciting to see some of that start to shift in, in, uh, even just in the past, like few years. Yeah. I'm excited by it. Yeah. Do you know that and is... I want, I want more people to. Yeah, absolutely. That is so on my very first day of college, like that very first day, I'm like fresh out of high school, you know, starry eyed, I'm going to be training to do this thing that I love to do and that's the first thing that first class that's the first thing they said to us if you can picture yourself doing something else then leave now and so you spend the next four years trying to prove that you that this is what you want to do and and, and you're like chasing a ghost almost oh that's such a beautiful way of putting it yeah, that that because because you you I think it's like you you have to prove to the teacher that this is and you have to prove to yourself and so yeah you you just block everything else out and that even and I don't know if this is any different now in you know the schools that do showcase but like even when I was a senior in college they if you weren't going to move to New York right away they wouldn't let you showcase. Not if you were going to move to Los Angeles, that if you were going to move to Chicago, if you were going, like, there are so many places all, all across the U.S. and Canada and internationally mm -hmm. where you can make a living. Like, you don't have to live in New York or L.A. in order yeah. to make a living in show business. There are so many um, cities all over the place where yeah. that, that's really a viable option. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that I'm hoping sort of changes, especially especially after this past year and change of figuring out how we can make work and make interesting work and make exciting work from all over the place. Yeah. And that's what I want to keep. The only way that we can build up these communities and start to uh, change the narrative around artists as workers and workers doing jobs and deserving protections of doing jobs. Mm -hmm. This is my like labor hat on for a moment, uh, is, 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 is by building those communities in all of those places. And I'm hoping that there's more of that as well, but this is a podcast about auditions. But that uh, is, but the, no. you know, but these are good, these are good things to, to think about. And these are good things to, to just keep in the back of your mind. I think I know in South Africa, it's um, my college is so closely tied to a college in England. And so the West End is like, you have to be on the West End. And then um, and my college is in Cape Town and there are, there's definitely more uh, theater opportunities in Johannesburg. And it's like, well, you have to move to Johannesburg after college. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm just not doing that. But it doesn't mean 
that I don't get to be an actor, that I don't get to work and, and do shows and create my own thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. It, yeah. And I, th I think this, this year away from, from the theater has certainly helped to change that narrative. I think it's starting to decentralize a little bit. The, there are obviously still going to be the giant hubs of theater. It's like New York, Broadway, and Off-Road, like they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And they will continue to be massive economic drivers for the state and for the city because that's how, that's how it's been, uh, you know, yeah. Broadway, just Broadway brings in more to New York City or New York, I can't remember if it's New York City or New York State, uh, than all of the sports teams combined. Yeah, it's I think massive, to the city, yeah. Yeah, it's like a massive economic driver. And when you realize that, it starts to adjust how you sit in your worth a little bit mm -hmm. more. Yeah. And I think sitting in your worth helps make better auditions happen. Yeah. How about that for tying that in? That, that there's not... Um, that when you understand a little bit more, and, and this is like a lifelong thing that I am still not great at, um, but understanding that you are worth more than f needing to feel like grippy and desperate about things, um, about every single opportunity that might happen. And there is certainly an internal fire and an internal drive that needs to be there. But that shouldn't come at the expense of uh, your worth and debasing yourself in any way or doing things that make you feel uncomfortable or walking into spaces where you are not safe. Um, Absolutely. And that, that I think can only make, you, make someone do better work in the room is yes. by understanding their worth and understanding what they're worth and what they bring to any process they might be in. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, a friend on the podcast and he said, when an artist realizes their worth, that's when they get their power back. And that's when you, th that's when you can walk into that room because you know what you bring to the table and you, and you don't have to prove to anybody else that you are worth something because you know your worth. So if they take you, they take you. If they don't, that's fine. And, and it's like the hardest thing in the world. It's the hardest thing in the world. So hard. Because we all just, we would like to, we would like to be in the play. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like we are all still kind of middle schoolers who want to be in the play. Yes. Um, and that feeling never really goes away. It's, it's just how do you organize the rest of the stuff around that little kid who really just wants to like get on stage and do stuff? Yeah. Um, how, how, how do we organize the grown up parts of ourselves around that in order to keep that safe? Yes. So that there is still joy and there is still excitement and there is still a really lovely feeling you get when you walk into a first day of rehearsal, stuff yes. like that. Yes. Um, you know, we, we've spoken about the best experience that you can have in the room. Do you have any bad audition stories? <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> oh, dear. 
so many, so many terrible audition stories. I don't know where to begin. Oh boy, I'm adjusting where I'm sitting. <laughs> um, so one that I tell a lot is I, I got an appointment for a very fancy new musical at a very fancy nonprofit theater establishment uh, theater in New York City. And it was a, you know, capital N new musical. So the score was like, what? I understand that all of these things are notes and I have no idea how these things um, are going to get put in the order that I'm reading them in. And it was just really hard. This music was super duper hard. And I learn music really quickly and I learn music and I, it stays in my head. And so me having trouble learning music, I was like, oh dear. Uh, and so I, you know, paid for coaching and went to a friend and really, really rehearsed this and like really busted my ass to learn this very difficult new musical theater music uh, because I would like, I wanted to very much work at the uh, fancy nonprofit theater establishment place. Um, so I do all of this prep and I walk in and it's one of those tracks where I like, I know I'm not really right for this one. I'm more right for this one, but clearly they don't see me over here. So it's fine. I'm going to do this. And so I know I'm already, I'm already starting at a, at a deficit. <laughs> so trying to drag myself up to zero and then do well. And so I walk in and there's hellos and there's pleasantries and there's whatever. And so then they say, do you want to sing it? And so I sang it. And then there's a long pause, like a little too long of a pause. <laughs> and then somebody goes, do you want to try that again? And I was oh. like, oh no. I really thought I nailed it. Okay, let's try it again. <laughs> um, so that's a fun one. <laughs> I uh, needless to say, did not get that job. Uh, then there was the audition for a show that I had gone through a million callbacks a million callbacks to the point that I called the union and said can they do this kinds of callbacks for oh, okay uh, and then eventually yeah and then eventually did not get and so months go by um and then I get a phone call on my personal phone at like nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday uh from a friend saying so so and so just dropped out of the show they want to know if you can come in today and be seen like they are packing trunks to go out of town for the out of town of this show. So Hurricane Sandy had just happened and there was no subway oh, service boy. below 42nd Street. And um, the theater that they had been rehearsing in was uh, in Union Square on 14th Street. And I, at the time, lived up by Columbia University. So I was on 112th Street. Um, and so I call, I call another friend of mine who was in the show and I was like what is happening she was like just get down there just get down there and then I called my agent and I was like this is happening and he's like I don't know what this means just get down there just get down there so I pack up all my stuff you know the whole the whole entire rep book mm -hmm. as many pairs of dance shoes are gonna fit in the tote bag and I get on the train and I take the train as far as I can go and then I walk from Times Square all the way down to Union Square oh because God. again a hurricane had just happened a hurricane. 
So all of New York city, like there was still no power below 23rd street. It was like, it was just, it was a desolate wasteland. Uh, so I go on this very long walk with my giant audition bag and I get in there and they're on a lunch break and they have me run through every single thing I had done in the 11 callbacks prior alone on stage with company members hanging out on a lunch break while they're packing up stuff to into road boxes uh, to go to their out of town like the next day or whatever. And so then they have me sing through my entire book, sing through most of the score of this show, dance by myself again. And then they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. You are so amazing. We love you, blah, blah, blah. And so I walk back to Times Square and I take the train home and I just sort of sit there like, I don't know what the hell just happened. <laughs> and then I hear nothing. No. Nothing. Nothing. And I know that they're leaving like in a week. And several days after... <sighs> I wake up one morning and this is still what I was on Facebook. I'm no longer on Facebook. <laughs> I open my laptop and the first post I see is from a friend saying, oh my God, I just booked this thing. I have to go out of town on tomorrow. So blah, blah. So at some point after making me go through all of that, they decided that I was not who they wanted. Didn't bother to tell me, had a call, didn't bother to tell me didn't bother to tell me and then I found out that I didn't get it from Facebook and this is so long and I'm so sorry no oh my god that is unbelievable I you know something very similar happened to a friend a big show was coming to town and they you know it was like coming back after it had already been here and she was like up for the lead and they kept calling her back and calling her back and calling her back and she was jumping through hoops of fire and they had already cast the lead and they made this poor girl come back and come back and come back and I just that that is so um first of all it's so disrespectful to the artist who's given you their time and you know it's just and and I just I don't know I'm not here for that <laughs> Like at that point, uh, that at that point you're like, I don't know what more I could possibly show you that you have not seen about yeah. whether or not you think I'm capable to do what's required of me in this show. Yeah. Uh, so, oh. and there are other there are other like layers of things that are uh, crappy about that as well. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Those would be, those would be off the record. Um, <laughs> I also find that it's always the jobs that are like one audition, one callback, you get it, you're mm -hmm. fine. And it's mm -hmm. the jobs where when they call you back 42 times and they make you jump through, I mean, in this case, it, there was a little bit of literal hoops on fire <laughs> here. Um, and figurative hoops on fire. It's always those jobs that you're like, I'm not, I, I'm definitely not going to, like, it's always the easy, the things that feel so easy are always the things that work out. Not always, but are often the things that work out. I don't think I've ever really gotten a job after going through something like that. 
Yeah. Like the biggest jobs I've gotten have been like either, uh, either like one audition or one audition and a callback or a phone call. Yeah. And it's the weird tiny things that they're like, well, I don't know if you can do this. And I was like, okay. And you know, at the end of it, when you've just gone through that whole process, it's like, do I, I know do I, I actually, do, do I, do I want to, do I want to do this? Do, do I want to be in this? Do I want to work with these people? Do, do I, how is this going to add to, to my life, you know, in a, in a positive way? Cause I'm, cause you, you, you know, you'll just go into that first day of rehearsal with that in the back of your mind, that whole process to get to that first day of rehearsal. I mean, it's nice to have a job. <laughs> um, I just have to ask um, about your audition or the audition process for Women on the Verge. I saw that show more than once. I loved that show. I thought it was so clever. I'm just such a fan of, of female dynamics. I just, I love that. Um, and One um, of the tens of people who saw it in person. <laughs> it was such a great show. And um, it's also the uh, the title of my quarantine memoirs. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. So, can you tell me about that audition process? That was one of those super easy audition processes. I um, I was before that. I was in Las Vegas doing a show, living. Um, a really odd Vegas showgirl life, which is absolutely not how I'm built. So, uh, yeah, so that was complicated, but I was in Las Vegas and the show that I was in had decided to go on a layoff and they were going to rehire people, but they were going like the terms of the next contract were not going to be as favorable as the terms of the contract that we were on. And so I was deciding whether or not I wanted to go back and like do another, you know, six months of this job and it just like didn't feel right. And, um, and it was in Vegas and I grew up in LA, so I would drive home a lot on my days off. And, um, I drove home and I had decided not to go back, not knowing, and I was going to go back to New York and I had no idea, um, if anything was going to work out and maybe was I being really stupid by not going back to like an actual job, but it just didn't, I didn't want to stay in Vegas. I wanted to go home. So I'm on a plane home and the first person I see like walking to the gate already sitting there was Donna McKechnie. And I was like, I'm going to take this as an omen. I'm going to take this as a good omen that Donna McKechnie is sitting here and that everything is going to be fine. So I go home because Donna McKechnie, come on. Uh, so I go home to New York and the next audition that I got was for the workshop of women on the verge. Yeah. And, and it was like one scene sing, singing out of my book because a chunk of the music hadn't fully been written yet. They mm -hmm. had done one workshop prior that I was not a part of. And then this was going to be the last bit of development before they then went to Broadway. So I didn't know the movie at all. I watched the movie before cause I was being a good audition preparer person. <laughs> and I don't know how well you know the movie, and I haven't seen it in a while. But... I've never seen the movie. Oh my god, it's so good! Oh, I'm putting it on my list. Yeah, I've never seen oh, the it's movie. Oh, so but good! Seen, but I, I saw the show four times, but I've never seen the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, the movie is the movie is Pedro Almodovar. It's, 
is just if talk about somebody who's really good at dealing with the dynamics of <laughs> women um, for being not a woman. So the first time you see uh, the my, the character I played in the movie, uh, the character I played in the show is played in the movie by this iconic Spanish actress, Rosie De Palma. Um, and I look very much like the Broadway version of Rosie De Palma. She is, she's also a very good social media follow because it's just like wacky. She's just wacky. And so the first time you see her, you first only see her in the rear view mirror of a car. And then she turns around, like she whips her head around. And I took one look at her and I was like, oh, I'm absolutely going to get this job. And I don't feel that way about anything at all. Ooh. But I took one look at her face and I was like, that, I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get this job because you have to look like her. And there are not a lot of people <laughs> who look like her. And there, so, um, so I went in and it was like, yeah, it was like one scene. I sang out of my book. I got that workshop. Maybe there was a callback. I should go back and look at my email. Maybe there was a callback. And then we did the whatever, two weeks, two, three weeks in the basement of Lincoln Center where there are no windows. <laughs> and then, then I waited a few months after that and then just got a call saying, would you like to come to Broadway? But that's what I mean. It's like, those, yeah. are the, those are the biggest jobs and it's one audition, not even singing from the show. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you seem fine. You can keep doing this. Yeah. But I also, that's so great that you were able to be part of something that was being created. You know, you, have, not, you weren't going into a show that was already established with, a, with an established fan base. I feel like there's, there's a sort of a sense of expectation if you go into a show, you know, like if you're replacing Alphabet in Wicked, wow, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a lot of pressure that not only that you put on yourself, but I think that comes with just the fans going like, well, are you going to be as good as the next girl? <laughs> totally. So um, how, I felt yeah. a little bit of that. I felt a little bit of that going into Chicago because I yeah. knew I was going into, you know, a Tony winning role and mm -hmm. how can you do everything right, but also stay true to yourself. Yeah. Um, so, but I gotta say sometimes I really like replacing because you just know where you have to go and you know what you have to do yeah. and you can just <laughs> do it. And sometimes you don't feel like figuring it out today. Yes. <laughs> and I have done a lot of new musicals where you have to go figure. And it's like, I love doing new musicals and I love being part of building stuff and seeing, you know, when you get to work and there's a stack of pages an inch thick on your desk and you're like, I guess all this is going in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was an, it's interesting that you say like the sort of replacing of the alphabet and the entire world staring at you because we definitely felt that mm -hmm. because it was like a laughable laundry list of somebody's vision board. That's how I describe it. Like, it's not even, it wasn't even a thing that I dared to dream about that I would like originate a role, originate, and also like, I am a chorus actor through and through so that I would originate a principal role in a Broadway show with this list of people mm -hmm. that, 
is like, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous that, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, I want to be in a show with Patty LuPone and Sharon A. Scott, Laura Benanti and Danny Burstein and all of these people. And like Rachel Bate Jones was a swing. Like it was a stacked bench of people. Yeah. It was an unbelievable bench. Uh, and an unbelievable, it was an unbelievable team of humans making that show. Um, so because of that, the entire theater community, especially in New York, was just like, hmm. oh, oh, we will hear the play now. Like, and it almost felt like they were begging us to splat mm-hmm. because that's like more fun for them. Right. If we fail. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a really specific kind of heartbreak that comes with that as yeah. well. Yeah. Knowing that all of these people are like, and who the, a who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. I was the only person on that stage I'd never heard of, and like, <laughs> and like, oh please let this be a train wreck. That will be so fun. So that was a lot to organize one's brain and heart around. Yeah, at a very young age. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm sure. Um, you know, you speak about. Um, the heartbreak <laughs> of this industry. And there is plenty of it. <laughs> how do you how do you deal with the rejection aspect of this whole business? I think maybe the I mean, A, a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, my therapist used to be a performer. And so there is an unspoken understanding of types of people, of names, of shows, of what stuff like that can mean that like, I don't have to explain. Yeah. And that, that is super helpful. The other thing, and like, maybe this is a little bit defeatist is that like, I sort of assume rejection Mm -hmm. and anything that's not that is like a lovely surprise. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like my particular brand of like Jewish, like, I don't know, everything's going to be terrible, right? Everything's terrible? Sure, (laughs) everything's terrible. Oh, look at this one thing that might not be terrible. Cool. Uh, But not taking, not taking, it's, and this is a really difficult thing when you are the person. You're trying to sell when you are the yeah. thing you're trying to sell, and that's not responded to. It's really hard to separate you, the artist, from you, the human being, and that every yeah. rejection is not an indictment on your humanity. It's the same as some you handed your portfolio across the table. Some they didn't respond to what was in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's just that you happen to be your own portfolio. And that's really hard, especially physically, because your body doesn't know that what's happening either isn't real or isn't a big deal. It just knows that things are happening to it. Right. So that's the rejection thing is like, I sort of assume rejection and any acceptance is like delightful icing. You you are not the first person to say that they assume rejection and then, oh, what a lovely surprise. I got the job. Great. Um, because if you, 
if you, I think if we put too much, um, if we give it too much power, it is all consuming, all consuming. And then you wait by that phone <laughs> and you refresh your emails and you just, um, and you, you honestly, you will, it's, and it's to the detriment of, of you as the person and you as the artist, um, having that, but it's, it is so difficult to go, that rejection has nothing to do with the way I look or with my skill set. When I, that's all I've shown you is how I look and what my skill set is. <laughs> uh huh. It's, yeah. 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 And sometimes, and also, even knowing that, even knowing that, it still doesn't feel great. Yeah. And allowing yourself to have the feelings and move through the feelings. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm is super important rather than minimizing them or making them feel like they're not a big deal. Yeah. Cause like they're a big deal and you have to feel the way you're going to feel about the thing. Um, and then find a way to move through it. And that's why I think having hobbies, cause I too am discovering that like, <laughs> Oh no, I need hobbies yeah. that aren't just like <laughs> games on my phone. <laughs> yes. But um, it's so important um, that you said that you that we we have to allow ourselves to feel those feelings, feel them, work through them. You can use them for something else down the road. But absolutely, you are entitled to your feelings. You are entitled to feel that way. And so, of course, go through it. Don't don't brush it aside. Um, and don't let anyone tell you that you're not entitled to your feelings because you are. <laughs> A hundred percent. You spoke about audition preparedness. What is your, what, I mean, how do you prepare for an audition? I think it depends on what's being asked. A lot mm -hmm. of times I have to dance first and there's not really anything you can do to prepare except what you do to, you know, be a person who is prepared to be a dancer yeah. in the world. Um, and then for everything else, it's just drilling, drilling the material that you're given, making sure that however you learn things best mm -hmm. is the way you're learning things. Um, if that means that you love to be absolutely a hundred percent off book memorized, not touch anything in the room, then that's great. I need to hold pages as a crutch because I know that I dissociate and forget where I am in three-dimensional space. And so like, I need that to remind myself where I am and what I'm doing. Um, and sometimes it's like, I really like, cause I really like fashion and I really like clothes. And so I take, I really like putting, pulling together outfits because that's fun for me anyway. And it's especially fun for me to be able to, I've had a couple of casting directors say, yeah, sometimes I call you in just to see what you're going to wear. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I feel about that, but thanks. Thanks for calling me <laughs> in anyway. Um, I want to ask, has your, has your opinion changed? Uh, your opinion of auditions changed from that first audition out of college to the very latest audition that you've just done. 
my opinion has yes and no changed. Mm -hmm. Yes, because now I know more people. Yeah. Now I have somewhat of a body of work behind me. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of those relationships. I've worked with a lot of people. People can vouch for me yeah. in a different way. So that kind of baby giraffe, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Uh, I don't know if I can curse. Do you yes. let the people curse? Yes, Great. you may. <laughs> um, so that, that sort of baby giraffeness isn't so much there. Unless it's for something that, like, I don't really get to go in for plays. So if I ever get to go in for a play, I'm like, oh my God, like, then I am immediately 21 years old and I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like <laughs> super wild about it. Um, so that's, that's, I think, where it hasn't changed and where it has changed is knowing that time has passed. I have grown up with that time mm -hmm. and that. It's, um, it's okay to want things like, I don't want to try to be cool about it anymore or try to be standoff or not, not necessarily standoffish, but they always say like, act like you don't care about it. Like I care about yeah. it. I care a lot about it. Yeah. And I kind of don't have a lot of chill about things that I really want to do or people I'm really excited to work with. Mm -hmm. And if that's going to be a turnoff for you, then I don't know if we're the best fit. And feeling confident in that yeah. has changed. It's like, no, I really love this. I really want to do it. I don't feel the need to be aloof or make you feel like I don't need this. Like, no, yeah. I need this. I love this. I want to do this. Yeah. Come join me in those feelings. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I also, I don't think I agree with that whole, like, you know, don't let them, because I want you to see that I am committed to my, to my craft. I want you to see that I'm passionate about the job that I'm doing. Um, I don't want you to know how desperate I am, but I, but I want you to know that I'm, that I'm eager to, to be part of this team, that I'm eager to work with you, learn from you. I'm eager to to show you what I can do and to see how our energies can fuse together. You know, um, so, huh. and I think with with being like aloof, I think sometimes that we we lose that if we're too. I don't really. I'm too cool for this. I'm just coming here to show. Right. Or it's like all of a sudden, you know, you start, you're single forever and then you start dating someone new and then all of a sudden all of the texts come in. Like it's that yeah. feeling and I absolutely understand mm -hmm. that, uh, that feeling. I mean, I've, I've been an old married lady forever now, but uh, I understand the thing where you're like, when you don't need it, that's when it's the most, that's when people are the most attracted to you. Yeah. But, but also like, I don't know. I like it. I want to yeah. not, I want to be able to be excited about things and have that not be like a demerit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also loved how you said that, um, you know, you've gone through things and I think we, we forget to pat ourselves on the back and be like, you did that. You did the hard thing. You went through that. And, 
and look at the lessons you've learned and and all of that adds to to who I am and all of that adds so many more layers to what I can do as a performer because I've gone through this thing and we forget that we have accomplished things a hundred percent and the only reason that I remembered to even say that was because I have been coming off uh, as, as with so many of us coming off of this weird year of FOMO and feeling like, Oh God, nobody asked me to do anything. Yes. Nobody asked me to do a single zoom reading. No. And people are, you know, complaining about these things on social media. And I'm like, is that what's happening? Cause I feel very much all by myself and like, no one cares about me and no one knows where I am. And yep. no one. <laughs> so, and I was talking about some of those feelings and some other feelings to a, a writer's group that I am in. And a, a friend of mine from college is also in that writer's group. And he was like, yo, and, and then did all of that and listed all of those things and forced me to sort of pull the lens back and be like, okay, you're right. You're right. I have done some of the things. So maybe the fact that I'm not doing every single one of the things right this minute isn't that deep. Like it's super deep all the time. And that's part of the acknowledging of the feelings, but saying, okay, like, no, I have actually accomplished some of the things. And like you said, yeah, <laughs> um, I have one more serious question and then we're going to have three very fun oh, questions. <laughs> so the very, the last stuff, I call these the working questions, then we'll do the fun stuff. <laughs> So the, the last of the working questions is what is the, what is the best audition advice that you have received? Get yourself a prescription for beta blockers if you can, because <laughs> it really helps. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, yes, that definitely yeah. like, please don't be afraid of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Um, but really be prepared like be prepared with your material mm -hmm. it's not that deep even when it's that deep and it's not everything you are yeah have something else to do that day yes so important <laughs> even if it's just like you said going grocery shopping just just something like get yourself a treat when you go grocery shopping you're like yeah. i did a thing today i can have whatever yeah i can get a fancy coffee yeah so that, yeah i have a friend who does that she'll go in and when she comes out she so she almost knows like she's looking forward to that caramel latte when she's done with that audition <laughs> so that's like her thing if i get through this audition there's that reward for me at the end of it yes perfect okay let us do three fun questions. <laughs> okay. Okay. If you could do any other profession, what would it be? Oh, so many options. Oh, dear. Um, oh, no. I don't know. Um, I sort of oscillate between something like physical, like build things, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. like be a professional labor labor organizer mm. and you do a bit of both right now so that's great exactly <laughs> perfect all all labor all the time <laughs> okay the second question in your opinion 
who was so perfectly cast in a role? And this can be a TV show, a film, a play, a musical. Who was so perfectly cast in a role that if they redid it every day for the rest of our lives, it would never be as good as that person? You know, I saw this meme going around and I couldn't think of it because everybody else's I was like, yeah, yeah, that. And then, of course, I couldn't think of anything myself. Oh, dear. I don't know. I don't know. Can I not know? It's terrible. I'm That's best. fine. You cannot know. That's cool. <laughs> Catherine Hahn in anything. <laughs> I will take that. I will take that. <laughs> she is great. We love her. <laughs> Yes. She, she just gives a masterclass every time in everything. <laughs> in everything. And you're yeah. always so happy to see her. Yes. Because she's always so happy to be there. Don't you feel right. like she's just like, she's, she just lives and she's, she's so excited to be there and so excited to, to tell this story from this really weird person's point of view or something. It's so great. It's so great. Oh, anybody that makes us us weird girls feel a little less alone in the world, I, take it. <laughs> I appreciate. I take it. Okay, final question. If you could play any role, male or female, what would it be? Very honestly, I would just like another crack at Velma Kelly now that I am a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And I would like to be able to do it for more than two months just to see what would happen. I would really like another crack at that. If um, anyone is listening. <laughs> anyone is listening. Would really enjoy another crack at that. Um, I know it sounds super cliche, but I also really would like to be a Sally Bowles at some point, please. And thank you. Perfect. If anyone's listening, if we can get Anyone is back listening. to Chicago. And then if you'd like to revive Cabaret, please. I got a girl for you. <laughs> please. Happy to be here. Easy to work with. <laughs> we'll be good in the show. <laughs> we'll be good in the play. I'll just, I'll be good in the play. Good in the play. <laughs> Perfect. Nika, thank you so, so, so much. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm me. so I'm so happy to see you in moving in person, <laughs> in, in, real person in real time. It's um, very exciting. Before I let you go, please, will you tell all the listeners how they can keep up to date with you? Give me all the plugs. All the plugs. Um, chances are, if I am a place, I am at Nika Lands in that place. <laughs> I like to keep it consistent. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise um on the on the websites and that's what i can think of at the moment but yeah chances are if if i if i am a place search at nico lands and i will be there perfect tell us about your podcast my podcast we've been on a bit of a hiatus this year because uh Getting two people with executive dysfunction to get anything done is often very difficult, um, but it is called Only Slightly Dead Inside, and it is me and my friend Julianne Bilker, and we talk about mental health and being people who live with mental health, I don't want to say issues, but you sort of, you coexist 
with the chemicals in your brain that tell you things and trying to make it, uh, trying to sort of remove some of that stigma Mm -hmm. and make it feel funny and real and not very, not very serious all the time, because just because someone has depression does not mean they are always in a depressive state. Yes. I, um, and other, and other things like that. I'm so, I'm so glad that you have that podcast because I, I think especially this past year, um, mental health has kind of people, we're speaking about it more. People are more open and honest about it. And it's not like a taboo subject anymore. And you're not allowed to be depressed. You can't just like snap out of it. Like people want us to. Um, so, so I think that's so great that you've, you've got this platform where it's you, the, the issues are, of course they're serious issues, but but it's okay to to also have a lighthearted conversation around them and yeah. about them. Because like Mr. Rogers says, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Perfect. <laughs> Yay. Thank you again Yay. so, so, so much. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I Hope I Get It, the podcast is produced by Citizen Femme Productions. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hope I Get It Pod.